I've got a couple of expansion team ideas that may sound a little off the beaten path, but luckily, I've got an off-road vehicle. Let's go. Our Locked On Pack 12, your daily podcast on the Pack 12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with our beloved conference of champions. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by my friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All sorts of possibilities the Pac-12 can consider in expansion. And a lot of you have been sending me ideas and teams. And like I said before, you want to send me a team, I will look into and evaluate and present the case for them as I did for UNLV. And today on the show, your honor, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, any public sitting in the benches behind the courtroom area, I will be presenting the case today for two schools. First, the Utah State Aggies. The Aggies of Utah State currently positioned in the Mountain West, right in the heart of Pac-12 country, might I add. And as I make the pitch for the Aggies, might I remind you of a very important fact, that at the end of the day, college sports are a television product first, and the idea is to get as many eyeballs on the TV as possible, especially considering that the LA schools are departing and taking with them the largest media market in the conference and one of the largest in the country. What does that mean? That we as a conference need to be looking at ideas to generate interest, to generate intrigue, to generate hype around games that make people want to watch. And where, might I ask you, for those of you who don't know, is Utah State University located? You guessed it correctly. It's in the state of Utah. At this point in time, are the Utes and the Aggies big time celebrated rivals? No, no, I would not make that particular case. It's not on the same scale as Utah and BYU. But I ask you this, as you look to the future and think about what could become should a team join the conference, who might their rivals be? Who might they go up against? For which sorts of recruits might they compete with other schools against? The possibility of that remains ever prevalent. That is the first thing I'd like you to consider. Another valid question to ask with regards to an expansion possibility. Can a team be competitive? Because no one wants to add a team to the league if they're just going to be a Maryland and a Rutgers, right? That are eight wins max and that only happens once every few years. Can they be competitive? Do they care about football at Utah State? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I am here to tell you that football is indeed a well-placed priority at Utah State. Did you know that since 2010, the Aggies have put together a 10 or more win season on four occasions? Count them. One, two, three, four. Like the count on Sesame Street. One 10 win season. That's enough of that. Did you know that since 2010, Utah State football has finished in the top 25 on one, two, three occasions playing in the Mountain West. 
Did you know that since 2010, Utah State has a winning bowl record, including a Pac-12 victory a year ago against Oregon State, a team that is coming off of a 10-win campaign here in 2022. Their 2021 season ended with a defeat in the LA Bowl at the hands of the Aggies of Utah State. So to answer the question, could they be competitive? The answer is yes, they could. They've been relevant in the Mountain West. And if you're looking to add other Mountain West teams, you cannot argue that one could compete in the Pac-12 and Utah State could not. Because the priorities, the coaching hires, the players that have gone there, it's enough now. And should they be accepted into the Pac-12, they would only be able to elevate the level of competition that they are able to play at. Because they would have access to a more talented group of players. Now, another factor to consider when weighing whether or not this expansion opportunity is one you yourself would find is legitimate is, does Utah State have anything else going for it? Why, I'm so glad you asked. Because Utah State, in the state of Utah, as you might have guessed, is not a place that is completely barren in terms of the recruiting cupboards. No, it seems, in fact that as the years are going on, more and more high-level quality players are coming out of the state of Utah. Now, the Utes are getting a lot of them right now, but Oregon has gone into there before. Other Pac-12 schools have wanted to get players out of Utah before. Presenting another option in-state puts that school, Utah State, in a position to have that talent in its backyard stay home to play their college football careers. And Utah doesn't feel like it's a state that that is trending down on the recruiting front or plateauing. No, they feel like they're going upwards. So is further dipping your toe into that conference as the Pac-12 anything but a good idea? I would argue it is not. I would argue that it is not. Now, the other thing we must always consider, because as I mentioned earlier, college football is a television product. Well, what sort of viewership could Utah State draw? Well, they're not going to be USC or UCLA. No one will be. You cannot find an expansion team within reason that can compare to those numbers. So a direct direct comparison is just unwarranted. But of the other Mountain West schools that are currently being considered, would it intrigue you to know that Utah State nationally this year on average viewership for 2022 in the football sense, and the football sense alone, before I make about a point about basketball in a moment, was one of the 70 best in the entire country? Hmm. Doesn't sound like a lot, but then you consider, well, wait a minute. There are five power conferences. There are a couple very respectable Ben majors, like the American or the Mountain West. And there are about at least 10 teams in all those conferences. Well, wait a minute. That's, that's not bad. But, uh, well, what about the other teams? San Diego State, Fresno State, those programs are the ones out of the Mountain West everyone should really be considering. Even Boise State. San Diego State, Fresno State, trailed Utah State in average game-by-game viewership this year for their college football games. They trailed. Just something to consider. And might I close with this, when considering the Aggies of Utah State as a candidate to join 
the beloved Conference of Champions, which all of us hold so very dear. You can bet I'm going to tell you what this final point is. You can also bet anything you want at Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup, they have had it all and they will continue to have it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. I will close this case for Utah State in a different place than where I originally began, and that is talking on the men's basketball front. Now in all these conference rights negotiations and realignment talks, yes, football is the primary factor here. But is it worth considering the number two revenue sport for most colleges and universities in the country? I'd argue that it is. And Utah State men's basketball, has it been a powerhouse? No, I will not dishonestly present that particular argument to you. But another factor to consider. Their men's basketball program has not been a stranger to the NCAA tournament. They have long been searching for a, for a win in the big dance. But if you were to elevate their recruiting pool, for instance, maybe, just maybe, they could find the sort of player needed to push them over the edge and win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. Thank you for listening and considering the Aggies of Utah State. So that's the case. And I will put my lawyer hat, lawyer hat again on again here on this very show. But I do think Utah State is intriguing. I think the geographical proximity that my uh, my alter ego lawyer personality guy alluded to is a very real thing because, you know, Arizona has always been a place where you want to recruit out of. But was it the same sort of recruiting hub that it was 10, 15 years ago? Probably not. It's grown a lot since then. And Utah, to me, I don't know if it's on the same trajectory as Arizona because they don't have the same sort of population growth and they're a ways off on that front. But you continue to see a really strong contingent of players in the state. And having access to those sorts of players, I think, would help them raise the caliber of athlete that they have top to bottom across their roster to help them be competitive in the Pac-12. The the drawback here is, though they did have surprisingly good viewership numbers, being in the state of Utah, it's not a major media hub. Like Utah has been the best program in the Pac-12 for the last five seasons. They've won the conference championship twice. They've been on two other occasions. They have been top dog in the league. Their TV viewership numbers are not top dog in the league. They're kind of like middle, upper part of the pack or so. That's what I think the drawback is there for Utah State. But I do think that it is a realistic possible option, maybe a little bit more outside the box, but one that I think George Klyovkov and his team could reasonably consider. And I'd be surprised if they weren't at least evaluated at at some point in time. But I think their biggest holdup is, you know, part of one of their advantages, which is being in the state of Utah. Got some nice recruiting prospects. You'd have that in-state component with the Utes for sure. But would you be able to draw enough viewership because there's just not that many people in the state of Utah, which is where I'm recording this podcast to you from? 
Cedar City, shout out. Um, I, I think that's the holdup. I, I think that's that what would make a less prestigious football program like UNLV more appealing because they've got you know the, the the greater potential it seems to get more eyeballs on the conference. Um, before I get to the uh, the other team that I'm going to present the case for here today on the show. Uh, one of you asked a question that I wanted to uh, answer real quick. Came from Chris Martin. And by the way, I love getting your questions. YouTube comments, Twitter at smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore PAC 12. DMs, mentions, comments, it's all wide open. Ask me anything you want. Expansion, specific team, player, whatever. I'll do my due diligence and present as a segment here on the show. Chris Martin asks, what are your thoughts on possibly bringing Kansas and Kansas State from the Big 12? It would bring in a good football school, Kansas State, and a great basketball school, Kansas, as well as bring in the Kansas City market into the pack. First things first, Chris, my guy, I hope you know that Kansas City is in the state of Missouri. <laughs> I hope you know that. Um, and maybe it was just a little confusion or a typo or anything of the sorts. Uh, regardless, I, I would love a move like that. Would I absolutely love it. And in hindsight, yeah, the Pac-12 should have done it a couple years ago. I think we all recognize that. But, 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 but. With the Pac-12 media rights deal not being in place and others already being set, it's not technically impossible, but it seems very unlikely in addition to the large payouts that any school would have to pay to bail on a media deal, that that's going to happen, that they're going to be able to go to another Power 5 conference. I think when you're talking about expansion opportunities for the Pac-12, of which there are several, another of which I will talk about that, again, is a little outside the box, but still worth considering because you never know what's going to happen, right? If in June of 2022, you'd said, hey, USC and UCLA are going to leave, you'd say, what are you talking about? No, they're not. Well, yeah, they actually are. So you can never truly predict what's going to happen in this space. But I, 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 again, and I've said this before, I will continue to say it. George Klyovkov should pick up the phone, call teams in the pack in the big 12 and say, would you be willing to come over here? Because we could build a stronger overall conference than what the big 12 have has or, or will have going forward. I think that's absolutely true. However, do I think it's particularly likely they could poach from another power five? I, I don't. It is wishful thinking. I respect the optimism 100%. I wish they could do it. I just don't think that that's in the cards at this point in time. In a, in a couple of years, things can change, get reshuffled, turn around. You never know. But right now, it seems like going to the G5 level and pulling them up like they did with Utah back in 2011 uh, is going to be their best course of action. But here's another one that someone wanted me to, uh, to go into. So, uh, exit Spencer McLaughlin, enter lawyer Spencer McLaughlin, who's wearing a particular shade of green with just a hint of white on it that uh, most of us, I'm not actually wearing that, but we're just going to pretend for a moment. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see that. Titus BT says, make a case for Hawaii. They're literally in the Pacific Ocean, fact check true, and they're not in the Pacific Conference. I always thought that was weird. Let's go through and present the argument. Welcome back to the courtroom, back from the recess that the judge called for, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Hope you had an excellent lunch that was exceptionally delicious and catered by a high-end restaurant entity. So, in all the talks of these conference realignment discussions, one thing that Pac-12 fans far and wide have often lamented 
about the LA schools going to the Big Ten is the travel, the geographical challenge, the geographical illogicality, which is a word I probably just made up. It's just too much to handle. Think about the non-revenue sports that are going to have to do all of this. Those kids can't travel. They can't. Here's the upside of Hawaii in that front. They already have to do that. They don't have an option. They have been playing in the Mountain West for many a years and traveling to the mainland for their road games every time they go on the road. There is no in-state, there's no cross-island battle they have out there in the midst of the vast and glorious Pacific Ocean. They have to come all the way inland. But traveling to the Pac-12 schools, heck, it would actually be less travel most of the time because they wouldn't have to go as far inland to states like Utah to states like Idaho. They could go right up and down the West Coast. An intriguing thought, isn't it? Now, you may ask yourself, well, do they have the sort of pedigree to, to be able to do? Do they have what it takes? Are they relevant enough? They were relevant enough to have the Pac-12 hire one of their coaches not that long ago. They're relevant enough to draw in a former Pac-12 coach. They were relevant enough to the point where when I say the name Colt Brennan, you know exactly, RIP, what I am talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And you remember that era of football. But Counselor, they're too small. They are too small of a school. You, you have to have tens and tens of thousands, and their enrollment is higher than one Texas Christian University, more commonly referred to as TCU. So right now, does Hawaii have a booming football program? No. Is it a complete disaster? Also no. Their enrollment's higher than TCU, and TCU, over a long, prolonged period of time, has built themselves up to the point where, with a magical season, they go to a national championship game? I bring that up not to say that that's what Hawaii could be capable of if they joined a Power 5 conference. I bring that up to say that just because a school is small, just because a school isn't getting to the heights you'd like them to at this point in time, doesn't mean they couldn't one day. Because there was a point in time where TCU was not getting to a national championship game, was not at a college football playoff level. But that small school made a commitment. When they joined the Power Five and national ranks, they made a commitment to football and look at the results that they have yielded. Pretty darn exceptional. But do they have the money? Another valid question to ask. You have to pay coaches. You have to put money into facilities. They might need some stadium upgrades out there in Hawaii. Well, I don't know if they've got the sort of money flowing at the university... Their endowment, (laughs) right on par with San Diego State. No one's questioning whether or not they've got the money, whether or not they're good enough, you know, financially to be competitive. No one's asking that sort of question. But you might ask that question about Hawaii. There's your answer. And might I make a final point about those who'd say, Pac-12 student-athletes and coaches don't want to go all the way to Hawaii. Alas. Road trips are never easy. 
There's nothing easy about them. It takes a lot of coordination. Directors of operations, I happen to live with one here in the state of Utah for the Southern Utah women's basketball team. It's a lot of work, but every program's got one because there's a lot of coordination that goes into that sort of stuff. And the idea of going all the way to Hawaii, yeah, it might not be super appealing to all. Until you you get to Hawaii and they put a lay on your neck when you get off the plane and it's 85 degrees sometimes in, you know, November or so. But, <laughs> hey, who wants to go where it's 75 and sunny in November? Not me. Not me. No, who, who would want to do that? So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the case for Hawaii is readily available. And I urge you to consider. Okay. Snapping out of lawyer character here. I love doing that, by the way. Send me the most random school you can, just so I can keep doing that. I don't know if you enjoy it. If you don't, let me know, and I can do it in a somewhat more normal way. But I, kind of, I think it's a, it's a fun fun little twist on it. Uh, realistically, unfortunately for our beloved Rainbow Warriors, I do not see this as a realistic option. I can't see them really being in the running because... There are several things working against them. The travel component, yes. I mean, I love going to Hawaii, but it's a long ways out there. It's more expensive to to get out there. Some schools will certainly push back on that front. And remember, I'm trying to find out the exact number. I know one of you, I think it was my guy Craig, asked, asked a question about what's needed to approve an expansion team. I, I think they'll have not confirmed, and I am working to try and find an answer. It's really tough to find that sort of stuff. That basically you need over 75% of the member institutions to approve. You might, that might be a tough sell. Hawaii could be a really tough sell on that front. Here's the other thing that they have working against them. Their attendance numbers in their stadium, which do need to be revamped. Their, their facilities over there, they're not great. They're the lowest in the Mountain West. And they've been dropping over the last five years. Now, Maybe a move to the Pac-12, the counterpoint, would boost excitement and you get more fans in there. Maybe. Maybe. The total population of Hawaii is about 1.4 million, just a little bit over that. And I've had the good fortune of going to the Hawaiian Islands several times. I don't know if there's the sort of ingrained support amongst the people over there. Again, maybe a Power 5 jump would help, but... They were packing the house when Colt Brennan was running things in the whack and had that remarkable season. I think they played in a BCS game, and that was all fantastic and awesome and whatnot. But those days have since passed them by, and it just feels like they're, they are a program with, with not a ton of momentum right now. And, you know, yes, their endowment is on par with, with San Diego State. But do they have the sort of money to throw around that – other programs have no they'd, they'd be at a pretty big disadvantage of that front they don't have a ton of you know big boosters i don't know if they're a huge nil school really like it, it'd be tough for them to compete geographically it would make some sense because you know the pack is very western oriented and they're as far west as you can go the furthest west coast school in the country well i guess it's not on the west coast but they're the most western school in the united states but there's just not a lot of momentum there. Todd Graham's salary when he was fired at Arizona State, I think it was about $3.1 million. And he's the head coach out there last time. I checked. I'm pretty sure it's still Todd Graham. When he was there, it was $800,000. That, 
that's a lot. <laughs> that that is uh, that that is that is a pretty big gap. Um, I think they moved on from. I don't know. I, I look at that later. But anyway, that un- underscores the point that I was talking about. It was just a thought that I had. That's why I didn't have that readily available. But um, I, I think the case for Hawaii, it exists. I enjoyed going into it. I love Hawaii. Can't see it happening here. All right, let's uh, close with some transfer portal news. Washington five-star quarterback Sam Heward is in the transfer portal. I've speculated about this for a while on the show. I'm kind of surprised, kind of not that he left. I because it's so late in the process. That's kind of what surprised me. Surprises me the most. You know, if this had been really early, like right when Michael Penix announced he was going to come back, then I would have understood it a little bit more. The timing of this is a little weird. The portal closes five days from now until the spring window opens. So I, I, maybe he's able to find an option between now and then. He's certainly talented enough, but he doesn't have college film to put on for coaches and staffs that you know can allow him to definitively say, hey, I should be able to make this much in NIL and you're going to want me for this reason and this reason. Like it, it hasn't been impressive to this point. doesn't mean he can't still be a good player. He just hasn't gotten the snaps. Right, he's still somewhat of an enigma, but big, big arm, lefty. Um, I, I thought staying at Washington was his best course of action, but he clearly wants to see the field. And Ryan Handler asks via YouTube, Spencer, where do you think Sam Heward lands, and what is UW going to do now that there's only two quarterbacks on the roster with Michael Penix and Dylan Morris backing him up? Um, I'll start with the quarterbacks question. I think there there are two options for the Huskies at the quarterback position because you want to have three. Typically, a team has got three scholarship quarterbacks and then a walk-on or two. I don't think this is a huge deal for Washington. You know, if Michael Penix were, God forbid, to get hurt in, in 2023, I think Dylan Morris and the couple snaps we saw him this year did look better in Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb's system than he did with uh, Jimmy Lake and, and John Donovan, the offensive coordinator at the time. But you still want to have three available so you can have a development plan for the future. I I, I think the two options are you add a low-level transfer from a low major or uh, an FCS program, maybe give a guy an FBS scholarship opportunity, you know, find somebody like that via the portal, or you try and find, and I think this is the more likely option and a more reasonable one too. You try and find a late riser in the 2023 quarterback ranks after they lost Lincoln Keenholz to Ohio State when Penix announced he was going to return, which I think is the best outcome for Washington. If you have to choose between an unknown, potentially high-ceiling commodity or someone who is a known commodity and has a high ceiling, you're going to take the latter of those two situations, and that's what Michael Penix brings to the table. But They'll probably go try and find a 2023 quarterback or, or just add a transfer who's you know, probably not going to play. I don't think the Huskies need to worry about it too much, or the fans, I don't think, need to worry about who the number three quarterback is too much because if he's playing in 2023, things have gone very much awry, as they would say. Um, something has hit the fan. I don't need to tell you what. And, and it's not, uh, not going according to plan. Um, so if he's getting in the action there, not, not what you need. So in the immediate future, doesn't matter a ton going forward. That's why I think you'd probably want a high school kid, uh, that you can find, even if it's like a 
two-star prospect, right? <laughs> Just go find him, see if you can develop him. And if it doesn't work out in a couple of years, then let him hit the portal and uh, bring in somebody else. But where could he go? Where could Sam Heward go? Well, Cal is seemingly off the board because they added Sam Jackson from TCU. I thought that would have been a perfect fit. I, I thought that would have been a really intriguing fit as well because Sam Heward probably could have started right away. But you had a guy like the backup at a team that was just playing in the national championship game, you're probably expecting him to be the starter this year. So if Cal is off the board, the only Pac-12 team remaining who we don't know in terms of the quarterback going into 2023 right now is Stanford. And and I don't know what what Heward's grades are, whether or not he could you know get, get into Stanford in that sense. I have absolutely no idea one way or the other. I've heard a lot of great things about him. He seems like uh, a bright buttoned up kid and maybe Stanford would be able to add him. I think it'd be a worthwhile addition to try and take a flyer on that front if you're Troy Taylor and the Cardinal. But that's the only Pac-12 team because everybody else, right? Washington State's got Cam Ward, Oregon, Bo Nix, Oregon State, DJU, Cal, Sam Jackson, USC has got Caleb Williams, UCLA, probably Dante Moore. Man, he looked really good in that All-American Bowl. Cam Rising at Utah, Shadur Sanders at Colorado, Drew Pine at Arizona State, and uh, Jaden Delora at, at Arizona. So that's the only Pac-12 option that's available, but I, I talked to our Big 12 guy briefly at, uh, here at the Locked On Network, and he said that there are some Big 12 schools looking for a quarterback. I, I think that's a potential destination. I would also keep my eye on, on Mountain West programs because the Big 12 schools that need a quarterback, Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, he said TCU, but I think Chandler Morris might be the, the guy they're going into next year. That seems to be the indicator, but you never know if he ends up leaving. I would really keep my eye on Mountain West schools. You know, Jake Hayner is out of eligibility at Fresno State. That could be a landing spot. Boise State is always a place that that you should look to for Power 5 players, particularly out of the Pac-12 who are looking for a new home and are wanting to find playing time. Because if he goes to a school at the Mountain West, I don't think there's a quarterback in the league that I know of. I mean, any Mountain West fans watching or listening right now, you can let me know in the comments. But I don't think there's a Mountain West team that could find a guy who has more physical talent than he does. So I think that would be a, a potential landing spot for him as well. Um, it, you know, Fresno just won the Mountain West and beat Washington State in uh, the LA Bowl. And, you know, they get to go up against Pac-12 programs pretty consistently. I haven't looked at their schedule for for next year. Uh, let's actually see what it, let's see, let's see what their uh, schedule is. Just type it into uh, Google real quick. But we need 2023. So they play Purdue, Eastern Washington. Yeah, they play Arizona State uh, next year. So again, a chance to go up against Power Five competition and you know showcase if he's still trying to get to the NFL one day. Fresno State, I think, presents that opportunity sufficiently. So that kind of be my top landing spot right now. But at the moment, it's still a little bit of an unknown. What is known is I appreciate all of you for listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.